Good morning, good morning, good morning. Cable Smith, welcoming everybody to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Powered by Dallas Safari Club, Wilder Than Her. The name of that tune there from Fred Eagle Smith. It's kind of like a, an unofficial anthem for my wife and I's relationship. <laughs> Maybe she doesn't know that, but uh, no, just kidding. She saved me, no doubt about that. I was uh, a wild one, making all kinds of immature and stupid decisions. But when you find a good one, you want to do better, right? Um, so to a degree, uh, <laughs> she might still say I have a wild hair, uh, which I think is a good thing. But uh, anyway, thanks to Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris, our longtime presenting sponsors. Thanks to you guys for being here as we are talking all things hunting, fishing, the great outdoors, and all that implies We've got a great show lined up for you today, so you know what to do by now. Pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire. Pour yourself another cup of coffee out of that beat-up old Stanley Thermos, because we're ready to rock and roll. And off the top, we will be joined by Carlos Mondragon uh, of the Rancho Buena Vista in Mexico. Carlos recently captured one of the most insane series of trail camera images that I've ever seen. Uh, and basically was two coyotes taking down a whitetail, a mature whitetail buck, at a watering hole over the course of 11 hours. And it's truly, it's graphic, it's, it's gory, it's nature. It was pretty awesome. And so Carlos will join us to talk about that brutally honest description of nature that he was able to capture on his stealth cam and we've all seen deer get killed on trail camera before or seen the results of it right uh, usually though nine times out of ten it's a buck and you know as is the case in this scenario but that's because these bucks um they're all rutted out and they think they're badass right uh, the truth is they're not going to run like a doe will they want to stand there and they'll square off with a coyote and then that one coyote will occupy the, the buck's head, his, his antler region. Another one comes in and hamstrings him. And that's what happens in this. And it is, uh, it's pretty intense. So anyway, Carlos will be here. We'll talk about uh, that situation and uh, some of the other wildlife that he's got down there at his beautiful ranch uh, in Mexico. Uh, so good stuff coming up with Carlos. Then we will talk land acquisition. With a couple friends of the show in Lone Star Ag Credits, um, Kyle Phelan and Adam Ledlow. Land is the one thing they're not making anymore, but we all want it. And we'll take a look at the history of farm credit going back to like 1916 and how it has really impacted the growth and success of our country, uh, even to this day. Look around you. Everything is based off agriculture. If you eat beef, which, you know, I'm eating more wild game than anything else, but I damn sure like a nice tenderloin or a filet. So if you eat any kind of domestic animal, by and large, they are fed off of agriculture, right? Some kind of grain or corn. Uh, that's what they're eating. And then you in turn are, are eating the animal that uh, eats it. Unless you're some kind of silly vegan, <laughs> And then you're just eating grain and other plant-based products, which leads me to my next guest. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, Chrissy Schofield of Our Infinite Health will be here. She is a converted vegan, now strictly on the carnivore diet. She had a large social media presence and followers who literally were following her because she was a vegan until recently when she made them all aware that she is now full carnivore. And the reasons why she went vegan and the reasons why she ultimately left that lifestyle are equally fascinating. And I'm certainly excited to have her come on and talk about how much healthier she is now that she is just eating meat. And by the way, uh, she is a former dietitian and health coach. So she knows a thing or two about the human body and health. Uh, So cool stuff coming up with Chrissy at the bottom of the hour. That's what's on the docket for today. Going to be a good one. Guarantee you that. A couple other things to mention. Actually, just one thing right now. Um, Let's do a quick giveaway. I've got a Coons Canyon Ranch cap and camo hunting bag with their logo on it. Um, And, of course, Coons Canyon Ranch, where we always host our Photo of the Year Grand Prize. They've got great access deer and black buck hunting down there in the Texas Hill Country uh, so to win the Coons Canyon Ranch prize pack, just email the word AXIS, that's AXIS as an AXIS deer, to Lone Star Outdoor Show at gmail.com, and uh, you'll be entered to win. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, Carlos Mondragon joins us from Mexico, and we will get into the most insane series of trail camera photos that uh, I've ever seen right here on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Yeah, the time of wind blows, but I can feel your touch. Hey y'all, Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a -a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. Live Oak Outdoors offers some of the best waterfowl hunting in the Central Flyway. Hunting over 2,000 acres of cut rice along the coast that attracts wintering geese by the tens of thousands. Hunts take place out of layout blinds or white parkas over a spread of 1,500 decoys. It's also common to shoot pintail and other puddle ducks in the goose spread. Professional guides make sure you have a safe and memorable hunt of a lifetime. They're based out of El Campo, Texas. Check them out at liveoakoutdoors.com or you can book your hunt by calling Chris Slimp at 832-466-9646. I learned all the rules to their game. Fair and square you play on. Win or lose them just the same. Nothing's fair in this world of blind shame. There's a little Billy Joe Shaver bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show, powered by Dallas Safari Club. Cable Smith here with you today. Thanks so much for dropping by. Thanks to Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris as well, our longtime presenting sponsors. It is great to be here talking outdoors with you. And we've got a cool discussion to get into with outfitter Carlos Mondragon of Mexico's Buena Vista Ranch. They recently captured one of the most, no, it certainly is the most unique series of trail camera images that I've ever seen. 
And before we get into that life and death struggle caught digitally by a stealth camera, I might add, this segment of the show proudly brought to you by Vortex Optics. If you haven't seen the Fury 10 by 42 HD laser range-finding binocular, that's a, that's a lot to chew on right there, but basically the Fury acts as your binos and your rangefinder. That's right, two pieces combined into one. If you're a minimalist like me, that's a luxury that you love taking into the field because I want to take the least amount of gear as possible. It's the Fury, and you can find it as well as Vortex's entire lineup of optics right there at vortexoptics.com. Now, with that being said, let's bring on our first guest today, joining us from somewhere in old Mexico. It's my pleasure to welcome Carlos Mondragon to the show. Thank you. It's uh, great to be here. Absolutely. So, uh, first of all, a little bit about yourself and what you do with uh, Rancho Buena Vista. Y'all are actually um, in Old Mexico, correct? Yes, we are in Old Mexico. Uh, this has been a family ranch for almost 100 years. Uh, I think it's 1923, so we're three years from hitting 100 years. It's a big cattle ranch, and uh, we've gotten into the hunting business about 25 years ago, uh, since 1995. So, uh, you know, we're trying to manage it the best as we can as possible. You know, obviously, like I said, cattle is the main thing, but, uh, we all love to hunt. So, and so, and what are the primary species that you guys have on the ranch? Well, the main, the main hunting species, uh, which is similar to what you have in Texas, you know, West Texas, uh, we're not too far apart from the uh, Big Bend border. We're, I don't know, about 150 miles south mm-hmm. from the border. And, uh, and we have the Carmen Whitetail, uh, Carmen Mountain Whitetail uh, species. Those are the two main, two main targets. And, uh, obviously we have some, some more species. We, we do some, uh, buffalo hunts, some American bison. They're free range as well. Everything's free range. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we have a lot of predators. We have black bear, which, uh, they're not. Uh, we don't have any tags to hunt them, but we got uh, mountain lion tags, and we got a lot of bobcats and a lot of coyotes. Uh, we got uh, bobwhite quail, uh, blue quail, and uh, very diverse. Too. Yeah, we, there's. It's really diverse. We uh-huh. have some Rocky Mountain elk, and we have some pronghorn as well too. Oh wow, that's incredible. So. Um... The mountain lion thing is interesting because I'm assuming that you guys don't get a lot of snowfall, so you must have some hounds that are pretty adept at dry ground hunting. No, you'd be surprised. Uh, Actually, this year's been the only year which we've been successful with the mountain lions, Hmm. and that's because of the hounds, just because it's way too dry. I mean, it's real dry. We don't get over, I don't know, 14, average 14 inches of uh, rainfall a year. Mm-hmm. And this year was a lot less than that. So we tried three hunts this year uh, early in the year with the hounds. And uh, we treated up one bobcat. I wouldn't say that was successful. Uh, but anyways, we started uh, we started calling them. You'd be surprised. We started calling them. We started calling a lot of coyotes uh, uh-huh. at the beginning of the year. And we attracted, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say more mountain lions than coyotes, but we, we called in three or four mountain lions this year. I saw a picture of somebody on your Instagram holding a nice-sized cat, so that was actually called in then, huh? Yes, that was called in during the day. Uh, that was a group of mule deer hunters I had, and uh, we had a little bit more of a spare time, and we called in a, 
you know, it's a nice, nice cat. So yeah. that's been the way. That's that's been the only way we've actually been able to hunt them. Huh. Okay. If you were gonna hunt them with dogs, yeah, that would be definitely dry ground hunting based off of what you just said. Lack of precipitation and certainly snowfall. Um, well, what I wanted to uh, to really talk about now that we've we know a little bit about your place there, where you're at, and and uh, all the game that's running around there, is this series of photos that uh, Rancho Buena Vista posted on their Instagram page this week, and it's about the most interesting thing that I've ever seen on a trail camera. I'm not gonna lie. When I when I scrolled through these photos, I was like, oh my gosh, this is this is absolutely incredible, and Ironically, my friend uh, Chisholm Cook, I had him on the show last week. He snared a big South Texas mountain lion trying to catch coyotes. And we got to talking about, you know, somehow got into coyote behavior and because uh, we were talking whitetail management and, and their effect on a on a deer population. And, and I mentioned to him, you know, uh, they don't really kill a lot of mature bucks, but when these bucks are worn down post-rut, they are certainly susceptible to coyote predation because bucks don't turn and run like a doe will now they, they think they're this big badass and if it's one coyote they're just going to put their antlers down and and uh square off with them right but then that's when the other coyote comes in and will attack the achilles the hamstring and try to maim maim the buck and that's essentially what you captured on this trail camera uh tell us a little bit though about the uh the setup and, and as far as where you have this trail camera set up and and why you know, uh, I've got, I've been growing on my trail cameras. Uh, you know, this place, I've only had a trail camera there for, for less than a year. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've been growing the place, like I said, the drought hit, hits us pretty hard. And this is a brand new place. And Water Trough hasn't been there for more than maybe a couple of years. And a couple of years set up a trail camera there. And there wasn't none white tails. I, I might have seen one or two throughout the whole year. So I took the camera off and decided this year, you know, after two years of having water there, you know, just go ahead and check uh, if there was any more wildlife coming in. And sure enough, I mean, there's coyotes, there's mountain lions, there's black bears, there's javelina, and there's a lot of whitetails coming in. So I left the camera there, and I was surprised on seeing, I don't know, I, I got six or seven mature bucks, shooters, off of that camera. And uh, we hunted two off of them there that, we, you know, we usually don't hunt there mm -hmm. at all. So it was two extra white tails we could we can hunt off of that area. And uh, that was one I saw at the beginning of the year. It's a seven-point, you know, luckily it wasn't uh, a deer. I was, you know, a big trophy deer. I, w I would call that a management buck, luckily. But he was mature. He was at least five years old. He might have been six. Yeah. And uh, I, I definitely, at the beginning of the season, you know, there was nothing wrong with him. I've had a lot of calls and... Uh, you know, a lot of friends asked me because uh, they were surprised of a coyote, you know, bringing a big buck like that down. And uh, I said, and a lot of people asked me if they were, uh, you know, if there was something wrong with the deer, if, if, he, if he was sick or was he wounded, or, you know, have we shot at him a day or two days before? And no, we hadn't been there at all. You know, I don't think he was sick unless something happened to him, you know, recently. Yeah. But I don't think that's the case. I think it's just a post-rut scenario, like you said, you know, mature buck. And I caught him, you know, there. And he used the water trough there as an escape route. You know, he, he, he stayed there at the uh, water trough for, for 11 hours. 11 hours, so, yeah. So how many photos? Hours, yes. and, and you were using a stealth cam, which is great because that's my favorite as well. Um, 
So how many photos of this? I'm sorry? Yeah. No, I was going to say, yeah, Stealth Cam, uh, you know, those are the only cameras that had a security box, and we ran through a bunch of cameras uh, here. And since we do have a lot of Blackbeard, just just break them to pieces. (laughs) And with that security box from Stealth Cam, that just really helped us a lot. Man. I was thinking about, so you might have just talked me out of it. I was thinking about leasing a property in, in northern Oklahoma next year, and the guy was like, oh, I do have to tell you, there's a lot of black bear on here. And it's like a you know 300-pound raccoon, like you just said, smashing your cameras to pieces. So <laughs> if I do get on it, I'll yes. be sure to get those security boxes. Yeah, they'll, they'll make your life a lot easier. Yeah. So how many photos over this 11-hour period, and we'll just, I mean, we'll go ahead and tell you. I mean, the, the coyotes killed the deer, um, but... It, it was a it was a very long and drawn out process. Um, the first photo that I saw was of of one coyote, and the buck's head is pointing down at it. He's trying to square off with his antlers, and the other coyote's basically grabbing his back leg. Yes, uh, I've got a I've got about seventy pictures, mm-hmm. and I'm sure uh, I would have had a lot more. Um, but I've got the, the trail camera set. I think it, there's a five-minute uh, delay time because of the cattle. we got a lot of cattle mainly, so uh, I get my cameras overrun with cow pictures all the time. So I, I couldn't imagine if I would have had that on video, what would have captured. Oh. But anyways, um, that's not the first picture. I set up that's the first picture because I knew it was going to catch more attention, but that was actually the second or third picture. Okay. Actually, the fourth picture. Uh-huh. Um, the, the first one is the one you see the buck just kind of running in with a big splash on the water trough. Mm, okay. Uh, which my my guess is they were chasing him, and he didn't know where else to go, and he jumped in the water trough and just stayed there. And the second and third picture are the ones that uh, he's in the water trough during the day, and he's gonna he's got his tongue out. You know, seems like he was he's been there. He's been running from the coyotes for a while. Mm-hmm. And then the fourth picture is the one that he actually got out, and that's when the coyote in the front, he's got a couple of coyotes on him. One, you know, deer, the buck's facing down, and he's got a coyote in front of him and a coyote right behind him. It's like the first first time he, that was about two hours after he ran into the water trough. Um, so he stayed in the water trough right. for two hours? Yes. And did you have pictures of yes. coyotes at, right there in that time frame? Um, no, I didn't have any pictures of coyotes in that time frame. No. Okay. Nothing after until he got out. So. So they're probably standing, they're waiting there, waiting for him to get out of the water. I mean, he's looking at them. They're looking yeah. at him. I mean, this is a standoff. Yes, probably. Or I, I, I mean, the coyotes are pretty smart, so they might have just. And it's pretty thick in there mm-hmm. where I have that uh, the water trough on the camera, so the coyotes might have just waited for him. You know. Uh, you know, 40 yards away from the water trough, just far enough where the buck wouldn't see him. Mm-hmm. But he stayed in the water for a while, so tired of being chased, no doubt. So he he comes out of the water, and immediately, you know, the coyotes are on him right in front of the water trough. Um, from the time they actually make the initial attack on him, how long, what was the sequence of events until they killed him? The initial attack was two hours after he got in, so it was nine hours later until they got him. Uh. Um, and I, and it was, I think it was the third time or fourth time he went off the water trough. So they got him there on the date picture, which is the first picture I've got on my Instagram, uh, which is the best picture. Mm-hmm. And then he got in the water trough, 
And then he went, came in and out, you know, in between those nine hours, I think, to feed or try to escape. Um, and successfully, you know, but every time he go back into the water trough, and the last time seemed like he didn't make it. He tried to jump in the water trough, and the coyotes got him from his back legs. Yeah, and so they basically ate him alive. Well, he half of him's in the water trough, and his back legs are hanging out on the other side, and uh, it was pretty gory and graphic. Uh, there's blood. I mean, at this point, there's now in the picture just the whole side of the water trough, and it's a round circle. Uh, is just covered in blood, and you can see the coyote standing there um, actively eating him. It was uh, probably one of the worst ways that you could ever imagine going. A hunter's bullet seems like a, a very nice alternative, uh, all things considered. Yes, yes, that would have been a completely different story. But, yes, uh, yeah, the coyotes did eat him alive. You know, they started eating his uh, hind legs, I think, from behind, and then ended up, you know, from the guts up. Only thing we found, uh, we saw this buck. I think we picked him up on the 10th, and those pictures of the coyotes are from the 6th of January. So we found him four, day, four days later after the event. And uh, his antlers were still intact, his head and his neck and some of his chest, which was what was hanging. I think this, his front legs got stuck, and the coyotes were pulling on his backside and couldn't get him out of the water trough, and it was still there. So at least we recovered his rack. Mm. But, uh, you know, looking at those pictures, when the Cowboys went out and found him, they brought him to me at the house. You know, first thing I thought was mine, and, uh, which was kind of strange because usually they'll bury them. Mm -hmm. um, but sure enough, after we did check, the you know, the, the SD card, it was the Cowboys or so. Yeah. Yeah. Horrible way to horrible way to go. I think one of the worst and this is the worst things we've we've caught on camera as well. Yeah. Well, I mean that's the reality of nature. It's uh, brutal and unforgiving, and the this false narrative out there that exists about predators only preying on the the old, the weak, and the sick. You know, it's just uh, it's not reality. <laughs> They'll take down a mountain lion. Will take down a, a 350 inch bull elk, just like a coyote will will take down a mature seven point buck. It uh, that that's that's the way it goes, and um, they're just opportunistic. Yeah, well, they need to feed too, you know. Yeah. But the big question here right now is, uh, we've got plenty of mountain lions, uh, and we got plenty of coyotes, and and I know coyotes are, are a feed also for the mountain lions. So you start shooting mountain lions, you're going to have more coyotes. So right. you know, it's just it's just nature, you know. Mm -hmm. You got to sometimes control predators, obviously, but you got to do them. To do. Yeah. Well, so let me ask you this: Was the water tainted at this point because of the buck had been in there? And I'm sure you get animals that die in water troughs on a regular basis. Um, but uh, what happens at that point? Yeah, you know, we do get animals, especially on water troughs this big. A lot of birds, and uh, you know, swim in and can get out. And we got some bobcats mainly, uh, and some some little. But uh, nothing worse than that. This is the worst case we've had. Well, we've had a, one, you know, a couple of heifers that uh, drowned in there as well. Uh, when the drought gets pretty bad, kind of want to drink water, and we've had that happen a couple of times. But in this case, uh, water was pretty stained. It was pretty bad. Uh, we had to obviously clean the water trough on the outside, but we had we had to we had to drain the whole water trough. Yeah. clean everything because uh, we do have a lot of cattle to drink water there so just to be on the safe side you know i don't want to 
have my cattle be sick or, you know, who knows, um, the water got infected or something. So we had to basically drain it out, uh, clean it and wash it, and then fill it back up again. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, somebody on Instagram <laughs> commented, and, you know, uh, this was a pretty eye-opening experience, I think, for some people, um, because it, it's such a rare capture to see, especially over an 11-hour time period, you know. Um, but one guy he commented, and I just I laughed. He, he said, "Nothing like a cold glass of venison water with your with your meat, right?" So yes, uh, lots of yes. funny stuff on there. But um, very interesting, man, and probably the most fascinating series of, of trail camera images, like I said, that, that I can remember seeing. Um, so uh, appreciate you coming on and, and just talking a little bit about that. Just set them up wherever there's water, uh-huh. and you'll right see on. most of the wildlife in there. Yep. Well, thanks for the insight, Carlos. And uh, if you want to give your website, if folks want to uh, possibly check out the ranch and book a hunt with you on down the line, uh, where can they find you? Yeah, uh, well, we've got a Facebook and an Instagram page, which is uh, Rancho Buena Vista. And the website, it's the same thing, Rancho Buena Vista with an MX, RanchoBuenaVistaMX.com. And we've got all the information on the website. Well, right on, man. Well, hey, I certainly appreciate it, Carlos. We will, I'm sure, cross paths again somewhere on down the line. All righty. We'll appreciate the call, and thank you very much. All right. There he goes, Carlos Mondragon of Rancho Buena Vista in Mexico. Uh, Interesting stuff there. And like I said, the most fascinating series of trail camera images that I've ever seen. Y'all check it out on uh, my Instagram page if you haven't already. That segment of the show proudly brought to you by Pulsar Night Vision and Thermal Imaging Technology. We all know coyotes have to eat. I don't blame them for taking down a mature buck, but fawning season is right around the corner, and that is when your whitetail herd is most susceptible to coyote predation. So if you want to knock them down, thin them out, then check out the Pulsar Trail. It's what I've got on my 224 Valkyrie. It's got all the amazing features you've come to know and love from Pulsar and incredible image clarity. You can find it as well as their entire lineup at PulsarNV.com. Up next, we'll be joined by Adam Ledlow and Kyle Phelan of Lone Star Ag Credit. We're going to talk land acquisition and the historical importance of farm credit in our great country right here on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. And all your races have been run or laid to rest. So get this freaking anvil off my chest. Come on, funny feeling. Hey guys, Cable here, and uh, I want to tell you about outdoor access. See, access is the one thing I hear hunters complaining about the most. They don't have a place to hunt, but they want to, right? Well, outdoor access is the solution to that problem. Think Uber, but for hunters. It's a membership-based program. It's only $9 a month, but it gives you access to a list of properties for uh, hunting whatever you want. You want to hunt deer one weekend? Great. You want to hunt ducks on another property the next? Fine. Turkey on another? You have dozens to choose from, and it's a lot less expensive than paying for a traditional 52-week lease. So if you're interested in basically what I call Uber for the outdoorsman, use the activation code LONESTAR at checkout. Just go to OutdoorAccess.com. That's OutdoorAccess.com. And use my promo code LONESTAR for 30% off your membership. That's OutdoorAccess.com. Hey, everybody. This is Brandon Ryder, and you're listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. You better think of something, think of something real fast. I ain't stopping you anymore. You're about to say something that you can't 
Bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Front door, the name of that one. Cable Smith here with you today. Thank you so much for tuning in as we are about to get into a little land acquisition conversation with a couple friends from Lone Star Ag Credit. I mean, let's be honest, right? Who doesn't want to own their own land? I know I certainly do. I'm not at a point at this stage of my life where that uh, is a possibility or... Maybe it is. I don't know. I've thrown a lot of money at deer leases over the last few years. <laughs> some good money, some bad money, I guess. But anyway, we'll get into that momentarily this segment. However, proudly brought to you by Dallas Safari Club, the worldwide leader in big game conservation. I'd like to invite you to uh, to check out this organization made up of folks who are passionate about conservation, education, and hunters' rights. For more info, head over to biggame.org. We'd love to have you. Well, let's bring on our next guest. Uh, joining me now are Lone Star Ag Credits, Adam Ledlow and Kyle Phelan. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for having us, man. We appreciate it. Thanks for having us, Cable. We're going to talk about land acquisition today. But before we do that, I mean, because let's be honest, uh, we all want land, right? Um, Especially if you're hunting, you know, whether you have a lease or you own your own property, we all want the same thing, and that's access to a great hunting or fishing or recreational property. So we're going to talk about that today. But first, let's get to know you guys a little bit, um, hear a little about your backgrounds. And we'll start with you, Kyle. Tell us where you're from and what you, you know, what you grew up hunting and fishing for. I grew up um, in Uvalde, Texas, southwest Texas, and um we, we never really had any land that we, we we definitely didn't own anything but mm-hmm. we'd go every now and then for a weekend hunt or something like that um but primarily dove hunting very little you know deer hunting but um but you know as i graduated um college i was able to get access to some to some land where we can go uh, dove hunt duck hunt and, and deer hunt and primarily you know now what we're doing is 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 uh dove and duck hunting i i just love the you know the social aspect of the uh dove hunting you know you can go out it's not it's not too dang cold but um at the same time you know cable you know the the worse the weather is the better the duck hunting is <laughs> so it's a it's a love-hate relationship kind of deal but uh but yeah man you know um just ha- have really enjoyed learning um even some days you go out and you just don't shoot anything but it's just fun to to kind of learn the game and um you know progressing it as you go along and, and eventually uh with the, with the hopes of teaching it to you know to my younger brothers and, and 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 my kids one day so right on yeah it was um 10 degrees in kansas last weekend and bell and i were freezing our tails off but the ducks flew great <laughs> so. yeah and adam what about you um uh, cable i grew up in in bosky county just outside of waco and, and i was actually fortunate enough to grow up most of my life hunting um once i got old enough to really start doing it uh, we did more dove hunting in my earlier years and then as i got into to junior high age we started doing a lot more deer hunting mm-hmm. um, on through college and stuff we had a pretty good size deer lease about 20 miles from our house so it was pretty convenient i was able yeah. to, to deer hunt it uh, hog hunt do a lot of varmint hunting on it 
I mean, does your family I still have that lease? We get to do. Yeah, we we don't have a lease anymore. Unfortunately, uh, it changed hands. Hmm. Um, whenever the owner owner died, it was an older couple, and so once we lost that lease, I, I still have some places I can go. I just don't go as often. Um, yeah, out in East Texas with my brother-in-law, but. Uh, do a little bit of varmint hunting here and there and do a little bit of hog hunting still, but not near as much as I used to. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing. Like, and I've been on the, the other side of that as well when a property's sold or like a lot, like you said, a lot of times the, the landowner dies. Uh, the, the first thing that changes is, Hey, get these hunters the hell off of here. <laughs> so yeah, yeah I've, uh, <laughs> I've experienced that literally in, in the property hunting and I try to leave and I'm locked inside by the new landowner, which I didn't even know the place was for sale. So that was an eye-opening experience in Oklahoma. But, uh, yeah, that happens too frequently, unfortunately. So, um, and that's why I wanted to have you guys on, you know, there's a way to prevent that. You could potentially own your own place. And Lone Star Ag Credit has been making that dream a reality for its borrowers for over a hundred years. I think, I think it was, what was it? Uh, 1917 when it was founded correct me if i'm wrong there you know I, i'm sorry go ahead adam i'd say the the actual farm credit was originated in 1916 uh-huh. and structured very much to to help the the hunters and people like that as, as well as the farmers and the, the cattle ranchers so okay it's a, a long history of, of helping those folks farmers are taking it on the chin how can we facilitate uh, something to keep them afloat, essentially. Yes, right. sir. Hmm. Right. And, and uh, you know, if I could, Cable, just kind of talk about a couple of things that maybe differentiate uh, Lone Star from a traditional commercial bank. Um, yeah. You know, we're, we're set up, we're set up for, for long-term financing on larger tracts of land. And, and, and I don't want folks to, to think that we only do, you know, mega ranches. You know, we, we do a lot of, um, a lot of different sizes of, of tracks, and I know it varies based on the region that we're in. Um, but, you know, it could be, um, you know, a folks dream to own 30 acres. That that could be a massive ranch for them. And, and, and our job, uh, Adam and myself. It's 30 acres more than I have, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I, you're right, man. You're absolutely right. And, you know, our job is to, to help them help their farm and ranch dreams to become a reality. And, and we use our financial solutions to to you know, to customize our loan structures and, and, uh, do what's best for the customer. And, uh-huh. and, and it could be, you know, like I said, a large ranch, it could be even, even a cattle loan, um, for the farmers and ranchers out there. And, and so we're set up to do a lot of cool things. Um, and Adam, you, you might want to talk about our, our patronage, uh, dividend program. Yeah, absolutely. Kyle. Um, one of the big benefits of us, like he said, is our patronage dividend. We are a, a cooperative structure and that allows us to, to have our borrowers become stockholders mm-hmm. and as stockholders, we, we pay that dividend back on a yearly basis. Um, it, it's been a, a pretty good benefit with uh, 2018 and 2019 paying back at one and a half percent. And so effectively it can help lower your interest rate a little bit whenever you take out a loan with us. And so let me ask you this, because we do have people that, that are tuned in all over the country, not just in Texas. Um, as far as farm credit itself is, is the patronage program something that is exclusive to Lone Star Ag Credit, or do most farm credits offer something similar? Most farm credits do offer something similar. Okay. Uh, 
they can ours is a true cash patronage dividend so you get a check back each year some of them do cash and allocated and some of them just do allocated so there's some differences it's, it's beneficial to research those differences mm-hmm. um, with whatever ag credit association you can work with and and go go that route before you make a decision as well um, texas yeah. is unique in that we're a little bit more competitive with uh, overlapping farm credit yeah territories mm-hmm. where you get out in some of the other states and they, they don't have that issue so you might only have one that you're you're able to work with hmm. okay and you know going back to like the historical importance of farm credit um you think about it everything runs on that like if we don't have farmers we don't have any grain we don't have any grain you know and i'm not one that's eating a lot of grain anyway but i sure as hell eat the cows that eat the grain right <laughs> um, and so it, like historically speaking, farm credit is a massive turning point in our, in our country's history and people can't make ends meet. So we've still got to feed this growing population. Um, so we kind of, we're, you know, help the, the farmers and ranchers out on that front, but, uh, everything stems from, from farming essentially. Yeah. You know, that's a, that's a good point, man. And, um, you know, we're, we are. I, I know. I speak for myself. I don't want to speak for Adam, but I, I'm confident that he feels a, a similar uh, sentiment. And and I say this to say that, um, you know, we we just help America run, man. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, we help the farmers and ranchers um, who get up every day and and they work. I mean, there, there are no days off for farmers, man. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we we really enjoy working with those kind of producers, um, those kind of folks um, every day. And and. You know, Adam, you can kind of speak to that too. I, you know, out here in West Texas, we have a uh, a pretty good concentration of what we call production um, production credit, and and that's a lot of you know um, cotton cotton farmers, uh, cattle ranchers, where, where where it's whether it's a, a cow calf operation or a stocker operation, we have a lot of different kind of producers out here that, that we get to work with. So it's it's one of my favorite parts about the job, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with Kyle completely. I, I think we are here to help those folks, but I think it's important to, to remember that we do have other options that, that we help with as well, and that, that can be purchasing just that recreational land or, or maybe you, you live Yeah, back to the point. Why do, why do hunters want it? Well, <laughs> or, or anglers, yeah. We want a place to, right. to you know, watch a buck grow up or watch our kids catch their first bass or, you know, whatever it is. Just for me, uh, a lot of times it's just to decompress and get the hell out of Dodge um, and get back into nature. So, (laughs) yeah. Um, And and so what what would you say, guys, what would you all say is like the average property that that you guys, um, you know, that you guys help facilitate the purchase of? Here in, here in our neck of the woods in the, the Waco, McLennan County, Coriel, Bosque area, the primary track sizes range anywhere from 20 to 100 acres. Mm-hmm. We do smaller stuff and we do bigger stuff, but I would say the majority of the loans that we touch range anywhere from that 20 to 100, 150 acres okay. right now. Yeah, and that's that's pretty, um, and I guess, pretty much in line with what we're seeing out here in the west region, um, or at least far west where I'm at in Abilene and Sweetwater area. Um, I know land values out here um, are definitely lower than, than, let's say, near McKinney, right, Cable? But um, uh, yeah, I can you tell know, you a little I, bit more about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and I, I would like to compare. So, out here, you know, we're doing a um, um, a property in Mitchell County, 
is going for about eleven hundred bucks an acre. So cable, kind of tell me what what land's going for out there up in up in McKinney area. Well, all I know is if you want to lease twenty five acres, you can go ahead and just uh, plan on putting about five thousand dollars into that investment uh, for some of these mm-hmm. giant Collin County bucks. Uh, and and I think in the past year, I've between between two deer leases. Uh, I could have made a pretty nice down payment on a piece of property. I'm doing the math now. I'm like, man, this is a, I don't know if this has been a good business decision. <laughs> <laughs> so that that is definitely something to consider when you're you're looking at leasing versus buying land because you know in a couple of years if you have a down payment on a piece of land and then say you you're able to hunt it for 15 years on that lease and then it goes away like ours happened mm-hmm. here locally. Uh, 15 years of a lease payment could end up being 15 years of, of paying down on on a piece of property that you end up owning in 15 years. So I think mm-hmm. there's a there's a lot of benefits to owning, not just you know the security of knowing you're always going to have somewhere to hunt, but also the security of knowing what's on the property, what's going into the property, and yeah, you know, it's yours. Yeah, yeah. Well, luckily for me, my wife only knew about the initial down payment I paid on that lease, so uh, <laughs> we didn't we didn't tell her of the the whole price. <laughs> I might have been skinned alive, uh, but but yeah. And so, what um, what would you say is a good interest rate today if you are going to be uh, purchasing a piece of property? Adam, do you want to you want to take a shot at it, or you want me to handle this one? I'll, I'll let you go ahead and handle that. One. I mean, the economy is okay, in a yeah. good place right now, so I'm just curious. Um, I mean, obviously, everyone knows what their their rate is on their mortgage or their you know their their truck loan or whatever, but uh, I honestly have no idea on, on, you know, buying a piece of property. So I think it's uh, pertinent yeah, information. That's a good question. So um, on a 2020 fix, um, so a 20 year loan with a 20 year fixed rate, I'm looking somewhere in the mid fives right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll tell you, and I think Adam would concur is that, you know, I think it was uh, December of 2018. Oh man. I mean, the, the rates were just, now, from a historical standpoint, they weren't very high, but from you know the recent time frame, they, they were higher than they normally had been. And uh, but they've been on a on a steady um, incremental decrease since then. Um, I think they reached a low back in back in November of, of 19. But right now, about five and a half for a 2020 fix, and uh, a 30 year loan. You know, we can do a 30 year fixed rate as well. That's that is our most expensive product. But it'd be, you know, it'd be above uh, five and a half, somewhere close to the five, seven, five, eight mm-hmm. uh, range. And of course, you know, it all depends on uh, credit, you know, credit quality, so on and so forth. But um, but again, you know, using using our, our example of the patronage, um, you know, let's just say we quote you a flat six percent while looking at the, the patronage. Um, that's going to effectively net out to about a four and a half. Mm-hmm. So um, that's just again, you know, a benefit of of, of working with a co-op like like Lone Star at Credit, and um, and again, you know, our, our cost of funds are a little bit different, but but we have a lot of different tools that we use to help to help our customers out and and, and give back to our customers. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, like I said earlier, uh, Lone Star Ag Credit has been around for over a century. Think about that. Uh, so you're doing something right, and just wanted to. Uh, to give all of our listeners a heads up on, you know, like I said, I've, I've spent a lot of money on deer leases over the last five or six years. And man, I wish that maybe I, I had a, and I think, and I think people my age, you know, under 40, they don't realize that, Hey, yeah, maybe I could start investing in a property and make that, you know, that dream a reality of owning my own piece of property, but you got, you need to start sooner rather than later. So uh, certainly right. an informative conversation and, 
appreciate you guys jumping on with me, no doubt about that. And we also appreciate Lone Star Credit's continued support of the show, longtime sponsor. So thank you guys for uh, for doing that as well. Thanks for having us on, Cable. Yeah. Yes, sir. Thank you, man. My pleasure. Well, hey, you guys have a great weekend, and we will see you again sometime in the near future. Sounds great. You do the same. Take care, man. All right, there they go, Adam Ludlow and Kyle Phelan of Lone Star Ag Credit. And that segment of the show brought to you by All Seasons Feeders and the 600-pound stand-and-fill. It's so easy. You don't need a ladder. You don't have to back your truck up and stand on it. You just stand there and fill the feeder. How about that? I don't know why they didn't think of it sooner. But they've also got a 300- and a 1,000-pound model. Check it out. It's the stand-and-fill available at allseasonsfeeders.com. Coming up next, we discuss the negative physical and mental side effects of a vegan lifestyle with former dietitian and health coach Chrissy Schofield. She would know. She was a vegan for two years and recently switched over to the carnivore diet. We get into that right here on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. In a buck, we can run a trot line, and a country boy can survive. Country folks can survive. In the market for a compact track loader, then check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best-built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at BobcatAdvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at Bobcat of Dallas and Louisville, Fort Worth, Cedar Hill, Longview, and now McKinney. Visit BobcatofDallas.com or call 469-586-0000. I'm Craig Boddington. I'd like to invite you to become a member of Dallas Safari Club, one of the world's leading hunting and conservation organizations. As a member, you'll receive Game Trails magazine, a monthly newsletter, and invitations to our monthly meetings and special activities. Join Dallas Safari Club, an international organization based in Dallas, supporting hunting and conservation worldwide. For more information, call 800-9-GO-HUNT or visit our website at www.biggame.org. Are you tired of waking up at 2 a.m. to fight public land skybusters? Cable here for Three Crow Outfitters and their new North Texas Duck Club, which consists of over 3,000 acres and 40 water bodies throughout Ellis and Navarro counties. Three Crow does the planting, provides metal blinds, decoys, and posts a weekly scouting report. All you and your buddies do is reserve the property you want and show up to hunt. This opportunity is limited to 10 four-person memberships, so for the waterfowling experience of your lifetime, go to 3 or call 214-641-8097 today. Eat steak, eat steak, eat a big old steer. Eat steak, eat steak, do we have one deer? Eat beef, eat beef, it's a mighty good food. It's a great aim, we when I'm in the mood. Cowpokes will come from a near and far when you throw a few ribeyes on the farm. Roberta Duran ain't too before a fight cause it gives a mighty man. Of course, it had to be Reverend Horton Heat Eat Steak. Eat Steak, eat steak. On the Lone Star Outdoor Show, powered by Dallas Safari Club, I'm Cable Smith. Thanks to Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Players as well. Thanks to you guys for being here. Uh, we are about to visit with someone who recently converted back to eating steak after a couple year hiatus into veganism we'll discuss the side effects that veganism had on her body 
and her mental health coming up here in just a moment. But first, this segment is brought to you by First Light. Uh, my friend Kevin Harlander, the community manager over at First Light, asked me the other day, he said, uh, what would you recommend for February South Texas quail? And of course, uh, I got to go with the Sawbuck pants. That's uh, basically an upland style pant that is designed to keep all those pokey, scratchy, sticky things that can claw you, cut you, grab you off of you. That's what they do. Plus they're breathable. Uh, and then I go with uh, the kiln quarter zip uh, shirt. And I like that one because like I said, quarter zip. If you get hot, zip it down. Uh, it's also merino wool, which is what First Light's known for. And then uh, a sawtooth hoodie, which really isn't a hoodie or a jacket. It's kind of a hybrid, um, it, in my opinion. It's one of my favorite pieces from First Light. And uh, yeah, this is what I would recommend for, for South Texas quail hunting in February all the way through spring turkey. You can find all of those pieces as well as First Light's entire lineup at firstlight.com. First Light, go further, stay longer. Well, let's bring on our next guest. She joins us now from Nova Scotia, Canada. She's one of the co-founders and creators, owners, along with her husband, Dwayne, of the R Infinite Health social media pages. It is my pleasure to welcome Chrissy Schofield to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. So you've got a, an interesting story to share to start with, tell us a little bit about yourself as far as where you're from and what you and your husband are doing with your Our Infinite Health social media platform. Sure. So we are from Nova Scotia, Canada, uh -huh. um, from a, a little uh, town called, well, it's not little, but uh, Halifax. And um, I um, am a former dietitian, actually. I studied nutrition in school. I worked as a dietitian for 10 years. Um, but because of various reasons, uh, I don't, no longer work in the industry, but my husband and I have started this page, um, our infinite health to really share our story with others to get the, the um, the news out, um, that there's a lot of mis misinformation out there when it comes to, to nutrition. So former dietitian and mm -hmm. since you have, uh, well, I find it interesting that you guys are chronicling your, your journey and, and sharing it. And it, it seems like just based off looking at your page that the uh, the goal is just to find out what makes us the most healthy human being as possible. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, I mean, of course, we're all uh, different. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we can listen to and we can read articles. and But I think that the most important thing for us to, to do to figure it out is to experiment ourselves to figure out what works best for us because uh -huh. um, you know there's just so much information out there and it's really hard to know what to believe and to to you know leaf through all of that information unless we we try it out ourselves and i guess that's what you guys refer to as biohacking is uh is right. taking that information and, and sorting through it and then applying it to your own uh your own health which leads us to your history as a vegan um, how long were you a vegan and, and why did you make the decision? I mean, I don't know. Maybe you did it as a kid. I really don't know that that part of your story, but I'm certainly mm -hmm. interested in, in learning about it. For sure. So I was a vegan for two years. Uh -huh. uh, this would have been about, I think it's six or seven years ago. I'm kind of lost on the timeline. but um, So I didn't grow up as a vegan, no. I grew up as a meat eater, um, you know, very balanced. And I was actually interested in health from the time that I was a child. I always knew I wanted to be involved in health. 
I, I thought I wanted to be a doctor, so I studied biology as my first degree, and then I uh, became a, a dietitian after that in my next degree. Um, but no, I ate meat, um, and I did dabble a little bit with vegetarianism in university because where I was so interested in my health, I, I again, at that time, wanted to try out different things. Um, but it was really um, uh, about six or seven years ago, like I said, that I started, I watched it, a documentary. And uh, one documentary led into another documentary, and, and it was about veganism and the benefits of a plant-based diet and veganism for our health um, and for the environment. And like many other vegans out there, um, you know, I was, I was scared into this. And I did start to do a little bit of research, but unfortunately, it was very uh, one-sided uh, that I now know where um, that research is coming from. Um, so that's what led me to do the vegan diet. And of course, I had great intentions, but I really didn't um, do the research from, from both sides of things. And so you lasted two years? Two years as a vegan. And then so after, after the, the two years, actually, it was after a year as a vegan, um, that the, my health really started to decline. So, but I was determined because I had great intentions. Um, and you know, I, I, I heard all the stories of other people out there that have, had gone plant-based and improved their health. So I was determined to make it work. So at that point after a year, and I did feel better in the beginning, mm -hmm. um, we actually referred to this as, as now the vegan honeymoon phase for whatever reason, maybe it's because I increased, you know, vegetables or something like that. Um, but um, I did feel better in the first year. But but after that, that's really when uh, the health um, issue started. So I, I tried various things over that next year, the second year, you know, just trying different um, ways of eating vegan. I tried soaking. I tried juicing. I tried making shakes, you know, anything that you could supplementing. Um, so Do you have to take after, a lot of supplements uh, on a vegan diet, like actual pills? Yes, I did. Yeah. So um, there are certain nutrients that are just not found in in in, uh, in sorry in um in plant products, mm -hmm. and they are not as bioavailable as in animal products. So one of them in particular is B12. You cannot get B12 through through plant products, um, and uh, of course vitamin D. You get that from the sunshine, but that's also you can get that in through through animal products, but not through through plants. And there's there are also omega three. Um, you know, fatty acids, the most bioavailable form, and, and there's, there's a whole list. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I don't know much about veganism and, and what it does to your body because the closest I came was I, I ordered a, a salad one time, and, uh, mm -hmm. and then I had them put chicken on it, so I guess I failed anyway. But, uh, <laughs> no, but did you miss the taste of meat before your body ultimately told you you needed it? It's funny, you know what? I loved meat before going uh, vegan. I actually steak was was my favorite food, um, and uh, so. But I guess I was just kind of turned off a little bit when you know watching the the videos and stuff like that 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 people boast on animal cruelty. It did turn me off a little bit. So during my first year, I didn't crave it, um, and it wasn't actually until so so. Um, after my second year, I did introduce fish and eggs and dairy back in one at a time. It was uh, eggs first and fish then, then dairy um, because of all the deficiencies and, you know, health implications that I, that I had. My energy was, was super low. I developed eczema for the first time in my life, um, chronic pain, chronic fatigue, um, depression, a whole list of, of things that, um, you know, I just wasn't feeling good. So my wow, you was said depression? Depression, yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's pretty serious stuff. So uh, chronic ailments and yeah. depression 
stemming from a dietary choice, a self-inflicted dietary choice. Yeah, and that's the thing. You know, I, I became vegan first and foremost because of my health. Um, and then after that, it became, you know, you know I, I was looking at environmental and other impa- implications, but I, I wasn't healthy. I was healthier before. So ultimately, that's why I decided, okay, I need to listen to my body and add some, some things back in. So I added back fish and eggs first. And I did that for, so I was a pescatarian, I guess is the technical term for another two years after that. So four years mm-hmm. where I, I, I didn't eat any red meat, any chicken, uh, pork. And then one day, my husband, who was only vegan for six weeks in the beginning when I was, by the way. Uh, yeah, so um, his, his name is Dwayne, correct? Dwayne, yes. yes. So he lasted six um, so weeks. That's uh, six weeks longer than I would have made it, so props to Dwayne. Yes. He hated it. <laughs> he hated it, though. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, he was he was grilling some burgers one summer's night, and I had the overwhelming feeling for the first time that I wanted one. And burgers wasn't really, even though I enjoyed steak before becoming vegan, I wasn't really into burgers and mm-hmm. I just needed to eat one. So I did. <laughs> awesome. And it is crazy how much energy I had. I was kind of worried that maybe I, you know, I heard people that hadn't eaten meat for a while that introduced them that they'd get sick, but no, I wasn't. I had so much energy after that. So, you know, I, I couldn't deny that my body was telling me something. Yeah. Wow. Well, and I think, like based off your story, I think a lot of vegans do it the other way around. Um, you did it. I mean, you did some research and decided I'm going to make this choice for my for my body for my health. I think a lot of vegans mm-hmm. are animal rights activists who don't really factor in the health implications, and they do it from that perspective. Mm-hmm. For sure, yeah, and of course, you know, their intentions are. are you know, hugely commendable. And, um, but the thing is, is, is the information that, that is out there, it's only one-sided and and it's very biased and it's not telling the whole truth. And, and um, yeah, of course, you know, with, with one thing that they like to, to argue and, you know, I don't want to get too, um, uh, you know, defensive you're not going to offend anyone, but... anyone that listens to this show's feelings. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> okay. All right. Good. Well, you know, I just don't want a single, single vegan out, but, but you know, one thing that after, um, this, this viral post that, that we made, we had a lot of vegans comments on it. And one thing that they, they do differentiate is that a plant-based diet and a vegan diet is, 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 or a vegan is very different. And so they, 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 their defense, they they say that I never was a vegan. I was only plant-based. So they, they, vegans definitely do put animal cruelty as their first and foremost reason for becoming a vegan and not the diet. And they admit that, that it's, it's not about health. It's, it's about the animals. Yeah. So I'm going to suffer and hurt my body in the name of, of saving something that doesn't need to be saved. That's how I chalk it up. So mm-hmm. anyway, um, yeah. you know, I, I always snicker every time I, I'm in the grocery store and I see some chemically engineered plant-based gloop advertised as steak or meatless mm-hmm. meatballs or grain-based crispy tenders with what looks like a mm-hmm. you know chicken tender on the box. Um, so it, it seems like vegans are trying to imitate the very thing that they shun, which I don't get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, it's true. And that's, that's one of the things, you know, that I'm really trying to educate people on. And it's, and the thing is, is if they did make the real choice, um, it's so much, so much healthier for us. It's natural. You know, it's not processed. A lot of these vegan imitations, 
they're, they're filled with toxic oils, which I really think is one of the biggest things that, that's causing such all the health issues, mm-hmm. you know, in, in us as, as North Americans. And yeah, so they're, they're, and that's one of, one of the things that, that really was a big eye over for me, um, where I thought I, you know, I, I was putting my health first, but I was making choices that I would never have made yeah. before being vegan. You know, I was choosing packaged foods. Um, because I was trying to get my protein intake in, or I was, you know, I was, I was just trying to, to meet all of, of those needs when really I could have just eaten, you know, the actual natural meat form that would have been so much healthier for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, let's do this. Let's, let's take a quick break and, and come back and, and get into this just a little bit more. Do you have a, a few more minutes to stick around? I do. Yeah. Sounds good. Perfect. And that segment was brought to you by Lone Star Beer. And Rudy's True Texas-style barbecue, here's what you do after the hunt. Or maybe you're just getting off the lake with a limit of crappie. You head over to Rudy's True Texas-style barbecue, order yourself up some of that pulled pork, maybe the smoked brisket. Uh, I like the turkey myself. They've got all the sides and fixings as well. And, of course, wash it down with an ice-cold Lone Star beer. Lone Star beer, the national beer of Texas. We continue debunking the lie that is veganism after the break when we pick it back up with our infinite health, Chrissy Schofield on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. British Columbia is world-renowned for its beauty and wildlife, and Vancouver Island is revered as a magical place by hunters. Vancouver Island Coastal Bear Adventures specializes in taking mature trophy black bears with 18-inch minimum skulls in the 6.5 to 7.5-year range. They also have Roosevelt elk tags and only take Boone and Crockett bulls each fall. 60% of their guiding area is located on private land. So whether you're looking for a Boone or black bear, once-in-a-lifetime Roosevelt elk, or a giant cougar, They've got the hunt for you. Visit VancouverIslandBearHunt.com to book your hunt today. That's VancouverIslandBearHunt.com. Hey, y'all, spring is here, and that means a lot of things, but specifically, your lawn is about to become your own worst nightmare. That's why I use JC's Landscaping. They do everything from lawn and landscape maintenance to fertilization and weed control. New premium sod installations. Hey, you need a French drain? I had to have them put in a French drain a couple years ago. They do that, too. Landscaping updates, makeovers, stone borders, patios, and much more. Serving the North Dallas and surrounding areas, you can find them at jclandscapingllc.com and tell them cable sent you. Howdy folks, I'm Lee Hoffair for Hoffair's Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas. I hope you're enjoying the Lone Star Outdoor Show. We've been a title sponsor for a number of years now, and we're proud to be a part of it. I'd also like to thank you for making Hoffair's once again the number one Polaris dealer in Texas. Why do I write songs? Why can't my heart shut its mouth? Why can't I move on and give a fair chance to someone new? Little Reed Southall bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show, powered by Dallas Safari Club. I'm Cable Smith. Thank you so much for being a part of today's presentation. Thanks to uh, Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris as well. We are currently visiting with our Infinite Health's Chrissy Schofield, uh, former vegan turned carnivore. (laughs) And uh, we'll continue that conversation here in just a second. But before we do so, this segment is proudly brought to you by Arluck Outfitters. If you're looking to uh, fill up that freezer with 
a moose. That's right. I actually had to buy a new freezer. <laughs> now there's three of them in the garage, but I've got a moose-specific freezer uh, from my Newfoundland hunt with Arluck Outfitters. The the bull did the dance, the whole deal, everything I dreamed of. He came into the call, took him broadside with a 300 wind mag at 65 yards. A truly beautiful place with some of the friendliest folks that you'll find. Those Newfoundlanders are uh, as hospitable as it comes. And it's not going to cost you an arm or a leg like uh, if you went to Alaska or the Yukon. Check it out. Ourluckoutfitters.com if you're interested in a Newfoundland moose hunt. Let's go ahead and pick it back up with former vegan, now converted carnivore, Chrissy Schofield. Thanks for sticking around. My pleasure. Explain to me the whole process of, of your page, um, our infinite health that you and your husband, Dwayne, run. And then, like, what was the reaction of the followers? And, and I mean, I assume some of them were following you because they, they thought you were vegan. And then you come out and mm-hmm. with this post that says, why I'm not a vegan anymore. Um, how was how was that met by your following? <laughs> well, uh, that's a good question. So, um, a lot of my, you know, my original followers, because I was a vegan for for two years and a vegetarian, I had a lot of followers on my page that were vegan uh-huh. and had been following me before. Um, you know, I was a fitness coach before too, and so uh, I had a lot of followers from there. So. When I first came out with, um, you know, my reasons for, for not being vegan, which was actually last year, I did meet a little bit of backlash at that point, but I wasn't as, I guess, straightforward as I was with my recent post. So my husband and I actually decided to join forces because we thought it'd be cool to get both sides, you know, of a male and female perspective, mm-hmm. uh, actually in January of this year. So before that, it was just my page, which was mostly dedicated to, you know, females, um, and I wasn't really being honest, I guess, with, with our um, current guy, which is carnivore. Um, but yeah. uh, so then we, we joined forces. Yeah, we can get into more information about that. Um, we joined forces in, in January. And ever since, you know, we've just, our, our goal is just really to be honest with people and to make people think and, you know, to, to really sit back and, and think about where is this information coming from? And, you know, we want, we want people to, to look into information for themselves and to really experiment for themselves. So when um, I made this, this post uh, earlier this week, um, I had a lot of support from, from other carnivores and other people, ex-vegans. Um, but there was a lot of backlash from, from the vegan community. Yeah. Um, and I'm still getting it now. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> I'm sure. Well, you probably lost some followers, uh, no doubt, but you were going to gain some that yep. are respecting you now yeah. for this decision. Um, and where I saw it was on uh, Dr. Sean Baker's page. He's one of the mm-hmm. leaders in the, the carnivore movement. Uh, he's been on the show previously and we had a great conversation. Awesome. Uh, he's 53 and is built like mm-hmm. a, a, a Mack truck. Uh, and yeah. I think he's been carnivore for over two years now. How long have you been on the carnivore diet? So for me, um, I guess it's been nine months. Uh-huh. Um, and my husband, he started a little bit earlier than me. Uh, he's almost coming up on his, his one year carnivore anniversary. Wow. So did Dwayne have any physical ailments, um, just from and, and like you said, he only lasted uh, vegan for six weeks. But how does he feel compared to prior to going on the carnivore diet? And then uh, tell us a little bit about the change that you've noticed in your body. 
for sure. Yeah. So um, my husband, um, he was born with uh, eczema, asthma, um, and uh, he also had chronic heartburn. Um, he's, you know, together we, we've, we've lost and, and gained uh, weight over the years. Uh-huh. Um, so actually, he, he went carnivore uh, because we, we first started tried the keto diet and we, we did intermittent fasting and a lot of the people we follow in this space went carnivore. So, um, you know, we both were kind of like, Hey, you know, we can, we, we have to try it because, uh, that's just the way we are. You, you don't know how you're going to feel until you experience. So mm-hmm. he, he came across it first. And so he decided to start it first. And for him, it was mostly, um, he turned 40, uh, last year and, um, he just felt the most unhealthy that he had in, in years. And he felt that if he, he couldn't keep going this way, if he felt this way at 40, how was he going to, you know, make it another 10 years? Mm-hmm. So, um, so, so, but he also wanted to lose some weight in the, in the, the process. So uh, a year later, he lost uh, over 70 pounds. Wow. He looks amazing, by the way. I, yeah, I saw a picture and I don't <laughs> want to be like, uh, and... the, yeah, I was going to say he's got a washboard stomach. So, yeah. yeah. So uh, he didn't look like that last year, uh, 70 pounds heavier, um, you know, and his, he had huge patches of eczema behind uh, on both of, on the back of his legs that he had since a kid. And he tried several things, you know, to, to get rid of them. He tried steroids. He tried cutting out dairy. He tried cutting out gluten. Um, so that's totally gone. Which is the insane. eczema's gone. Okay. Uh, my, both of my daughters, they're, yeah. they're five and they have it right behind um, the back of their knee as well. So uh, that's good mm-hmm. information. Yeah. Um, his heartburn is totally gone. He used to get kidney stones. Uh, he had to have one surgically removed. He hasn't had an attack since. I mean, he had several a year before that. Uh, no asthma. Um, yeah. You know, it just feels amazing and, and looks 10 years younger. Yeah. So that's his story. Yeah. And yours? So for me, um, I had developed fibromyalgia or what I was diagnosed with as fibromyalgia during the time that I, that I was a vegan. Um, and chronic fatigue, you know, my hormones were totally off. Um, as I mentioned, my I nutritional deficiencies, I was very low in vitamin D, um, iron. Uh, I gained 30 pounds. As a vegan? Again, depression, anxiety. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So slowly, I mean, I put it on over, over the time. And, yeah. and um, so I just felt awful. So you probably didn't want to go to the gym if you're feeling awful. Nope, I, I didn't work out for, for years, and this is coming from, uh, you know, I was a, a former uh, fitness competitor, so I, I used to work out a lot, and mm-hmm. I just couldn't because I was in such pain. I was just miserable. I didn't want to get out of bed in the morning. Wow. So um, I had done a couple uh, elimination diets before this point to try and figure out, you know, is it dairy? Is it some of the other culprits, caffeine that people say, or, um, you know, is it lectins? Um, so then when my husband decided to do the carnivore, he had mentioned, because I had done other elimination diets, an elimination diet, just for your followers, if they're not sure, basically you cut out certain uh, foods for a certain amount of time, and then you add them back mm-hmm. in one at a time. Um, that's really the best way for you to know if, if something is bothering you. And then, so he came across the carnivore diet and how it had helped other people with chronic um, inflammation and, and fibromyalgia. Uh, and that it was basically the most extreme elimination diet you could do because you cut out all uh, plant toxins and um, and then you can add them back in one at a time. So I said, you know what? I, I thought he was a little nuts at first, <laughs> to be honest with you. You know, coming from the nutrition backgrounds, like, oh, aren't plants the most 
nutritious and healthy, you know, things you can eat. So I was a little weary, but, uh, but he sent me research and videos. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to try it for a month. Uh, what's the harm in trying it for 30 days? Uh-huh. So I did. And 95% of my symptoms went away. And after one month. Wow. That quick. Yeah. That quick. That is amazing. So that felt amazing. I've mm-hmm. never gone full carnivore. I've, I've had stretches where I've predominantly probably eaten like 95% meat. Uh, but I never cut out the Lone Star beer 100% or red wine. Um, I noticed right. one of your posts, you guys were saying goodbye to alcohol. So is that still an ongoing thing? Me, not Dwayne. Okay. Oh, right. So Dwayne's got a yeah, six-pack and, and, and still and drinks I, beer. Perfect. Awesome. He does. Yeah. And, and actually, I have to be honest with you, you know, we, we um, uh, over the holidays, we had a couple of glasses of wine here and there. Well, again, he's had more than me. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I, I, I still have some here and there. And I do notice that I don't feel as good, but um, it, I, I really don't think it's, as, as big of a, an issue for me than, than some of the other plant foods that I was eating. Uh-huh. Well, so here, like for me personally, I like the way like a nice uh, salad with onions and other vegetables. I, I like the way it tastes, put some dressing on there. You think you're eating healthy, mm-hmm. blah, blah. It ruins my stomach, like immediate diarrhea, no doubt about it every time. Yep. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm yep. just, I'm done with salads. I'm not eating them anymore. Um, so mm-hmm. Uh, that's my my personal experience with them. I'm sure there's other there's other vegetables probably that have the same effect, but uh, yeah, me and lettuce don't don't see eye to eye. Yeah, you're not alone. And honestly, that was something I didn't mention. I my digestion was never as bad as it was when I was a vegan. It was I was bloated all of the time. You know, I had IBS, and now it is perfect. I do not have any issues, of course, unless I do, you know, we go on vacation and I do indulge because you got to live life sometimes. But mm-hmm. I, I noticed it afterwards and it's just really, it's really not worth it. So, no. and for me, it wasn't because I didn't enjoy the taste of, you know, salads and vegetables. Um, but I just realized that we actually don't need it and it didn't make me feel, feel great. So. I certainly don't need to run to the toilet after I eat a salad. So I'm out on that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, who wants that? Right, right. And you think you're doing something that's like healthy and it's just like, this doesn't mm-hmm. feel, or I don't, I don't feel healthy from doing this. Um, so I'm going to go full carnivore in February and we'll just we'll see how that goes. Uh, there is one Valentine's Day trip to New York with the wife. I might cheat there, but that'll be the only time. And I'm gonna stick to it, mm-hmm. and we'll see because I weigh about 200. I think 203 right now. Um, we'll see, and I'm gonna be exercising. So if I could lose, I, I think I'd lose at least 10 pounds. When you think? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. At least that. And and then in the future, mm-hmm. six pack coming, right? Yeah. So. <laughs> okay. So fascinating stuff. Uh, and just the thing that really stood out to me was your honesty of, you know, hey, I was basically duped into this diet. And now here's the truth. And here how here's how my body is, is reacting. All these ailments have pretty much subsided. And you feel healthier than you ever have. So. Yeah, no, for sure. And that's really our goal is just to, sh- to share our story with, with those because I've talked to a lot of, I used to coach um, vegan clients mm-hmm. um, because I, you know, I, I, I thought the same thing too. And I had great intentions um, and I'm seeing a lot of them now and they're telling me they don't feel good. And they, they do have a lot of 
a lot of the the same symptoms that happens with deficiencies, you know, uh, mental health issues, skin issues, um, digestive issues, nutritional deficiencies. So I, you know, we just really think it's important. I don't mean to, to pick on vegans. That's not my, my goal, but I can't not share my story because if oh, I I'll pick on them for you others so. in the process. Then, okay. <laughs> um, so, you know, the next question is going to be, mm-hmm. you're now eating carn- your full carnivore. When are you going to go out and actually start hunting and putting that meat ah. in your freezer <laughs> on your own? Yes, that's a great question. So my husband actually got his hunting license this fall, but it was a little too late for us um, here to to go out and, and get anything. So, um, you know, that's definitely the next step. He's uh-huh. he's um, prepared. So so next fall is uh, is really whenever you know he he wants to get out. So I guess I'm gonna have to join him because we do. You know, we we actually respect um, now that we now that we eat kind of more. It's, it, it's funny, you respect animals a lot more and, you know, you respect that food and it's just, you know, when you go out and, and, and get that yourself, it's mm-hmm. just much, it's much more meaningful. So I, I'm going to have to do it. Yeah. There's no doubt when you walk up to that animal and, mm-hmm. and you, you know, you think about all of the natural protein that you've just procured for your family, it's a, it's quite a, a rewarding and surreal experience every time. So I'm sure. I hope that you guys are fortunate enough to experience that next fall. So uh, love the answer to the question, by the way. That's awesome. <laughs> okay, great. Well, we'll keep you posted on that. Yeah. So Chrissy, uh, as we're wrapping up here, just uh, if you want to give, I, I know you're on Instagram at our mm-hmm. infinite health. I don't know if you have a Facebook page or website, but if you do go ahead and plug that for our followers. Um, not yet. So uh, our Instagram is definitely, you know, where, where we're at after mm-hmm. uh, so we time. Um, we do have a Facebook page too. It's, it's the same, our infinite health, but it's, it's not, uh, it's not as busy. Uh, and I do have a website. It's naturally Chrissy, K-R-I-S-S-Y.com. And I post a couple of articles on there, but definitely our Instagram is, is where you want to find us. Well, good stuff. Hey, thank you so much for the time today. Uh, eye opening educational and, and, uh, Certainly fascinating. So thank you, Chrissy, very much. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care. You too. Thanks. So there she goes, Chrissy Schofield of Our Infinite Health. And uh, truly, it's kind of inspiring when you see someone who's been living in the dark or like, I mean, she she was transparent about it. She was duped, but she saw the light and uh, i.e. the health benefits of getting off a vegan diet. And so it was great to have her come on, as a former dietitian, uh, nonetheless, to come on and, and talk about that, uh, well, really poor decision. So uh, we appreciate her contribution to the show today. Um, that segment brought to you by John X Safaris. The dates are booked for 2021. I think the 2020 trip is full. Uh, but I'm heading back to South Africa next summer. So if you're interested, it's time to start planning. Uh, shoot me an email, Lone Star Outdoor Show at gmail.com. Love to have you on that epic adventure, which will be, at that time, our fifth annual trip to uh, to hunt with John X Safaris. Um, unfortunately, we are out of time for today. Thanks to Chrissy, as well as our other guests, uh, Adam Ledlow and Kyle Phelan of Lone Star Ag Credit. 
And, of course, uh, Carlos Mondragon of Buena Vista Ranch. We appreciate him coming on as well. Thanks to you guys and gals for being a part of today's presentation. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible. Until next time, I'm Cable Smith saying y'all have a great week in the outdoors. I'm going to sit right here and drink whiskey till I'm gone. Try to figure out what the hell went.